Blog Talk Radio. Cal, you there? Hey, Mike. Yeah, can you hear me? Hey. Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh, was I on mute? Um, no, I don't know why why I couldn't hear you. Uh, I uh, I had to actually put you on mute and then take you off of mute to actually hear you. So I I don't Man, know I what was... what that was about, but yeah. I might have just been busy jamming out to that song and uh, just lost all track of time there. So, <laughs> Well, man, uh, just uh, as an intro, what is up? And, yeah, here we go. Like, we've got a uh, – this, this is the DinoCast. I'm Cal Shoemake and uh, Mike Belverde, and we've got a very different show lined up today. And uh, – something that you were able to set up. Do you want to talk a little bit about what we got coming up? Yeah. So, um, very important, uh, guests coming in, uh, in studio today. We're going to have, uh, Mr. Lee Steinberg, who is just a tremendous agent. One of the most recognized agents in, in NFL football today. And the speaker, author, you name it, he's it. So it's, it's pretty pretty fortunate that we get someone in his caliber to come on and uh, talk football with us. Yeah, I uh, I had to do a double take when you sent me and said, "Hey, I was able to get Lee Steinberg on on uh, on the show and look and make sure I looked up to see is there another Lee, Lee Steinberg that I'm not aware of that <laughs> maybe is coming on that. <laughs> But um, man, I'm I'm pretty pumped to have a have a chance to to talk to him today, and uh, got some questions queued up as I know as I know you do, and um, yeah, I think obviously a little bit different than what we are we typically talk about here, but should be a lot of fun to get a chance. I I would imagine that's a man with a lot of great stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I I think he started from. Um, around the time that the Buccaneers actually became a franchise back in 76, where he sort of mistakenly, well, maybe not mistakenly, but um, how would you say it? Uh, coincidentally met Steve Barkowski 
who was the quarterback at the time, uh, drafted number one by the Buccaneers. And he was the first agent ever to represent a player. So, yeah, he's he's definitely has from 1976 to keep going strong till now. So it's it's definitely a lot of stories, a lot of interesting takes that he, he's seen the fo- football from the inside grow. So it's pretty cool. It is really cool, and um, I I don't know how much you want to get into before, but I um, I know we've got we got about ten minutes before that interview starts, and uh, I wanted to personally ask you. Obviously, there's a fantasy football and dynasty world slant to this, but also as a Colts fan, today was a big day for you. I open up Twitter yeah. and I see Ian Rappaport says Andrew Luck after uh, you know I don't know. 5,000 days, not quite that much, but a lot of long time. Andrew Luck is finally throwing a football. Yeah. Big day. Big day for you. Yeah, big day. Yeah. um, It's good to finally see it. Uh, As we've talked about in previous episodes that I had 100% faith in him being able to get back out there and throw the ball. um, But it's actually just wonderful to see it actually happen. And I got all giddy um, and just like, okay, this is going to happen. This is happening. And so Twitter world, I guess, exploded as well because um, I, as soon as I was writing out the tweet, there's three or four other tweets going up with the same video of him dropping back and dumping it off to, I think, a running back. I can't remember exactly who it was or a coach or somebody. And it just exploded. So everybody's excited about it. I'm personally excited about it, being a Colts fan and a big Andrew Luck fan. So, yeah, it's it's happening. Let's just hope that it lasts and there's no repercussions from the surgery. What is this? uh, Obviously, we still need to see um, him – have this throwing session and then not have any setbacks, right? I guess that is kind of the main caution at this point is, um, you know, how does he respond to upping his football activities? Uh, But, man, the way he looked, I mean, assuming he's got, um, you know, he doesn't experience any setbacks and, you know, can get himself, um, you know, up to speed as far as I'm sure there's different things with his arm strength. I'm sure all of that's going to come back, but I'm sure there is some work that's got to come. Um, today's a big day. And, and the obvious question here, if we're going to spin this forward in the fantasy football and dynasty fantasy football is where does the, where does this move him up your rankings? Does it move him up your rankings? Were you planning on this all along or, is this a time where a savvy owner might take advantage of the hype and maybe look to sell? How are you treating your Andrew Luck shares today? Yeah, you know, I, I think you you pick him where you would pick him if he was healthy. And as as in normal play, like the injury never occurred, I you, there's going to be – if there's a window open where you can wait on him, that's great. That window is quickly closing as we speak just because people are now – going to see him on the field throwing the football so his his draft stock is only going to go higher and yeah if you you know if if you don't have a draft in say a couple weeks then you might as well just plan on drafting him where you were going to draft him regardless of injury because that's where he's going to be at if you have a draft 
in the next few days, then you that window's still open. So just just take it as as understanding that the more and the longer he practices and does his routine, the more people are going to understand and realize that he's back, and the that draft stock isn't going to be in the twelfth round anymore where he was. It's going to be in the top five. So hopefully your draft is sooner than later. So um, Andrew Luck or Drew Brees? I think you have to go Drew Brees. I I, I think his touchdowns were an anomaly last year. Uh, His 25 Uh touchdowns or whatever it was was a total anomaly. I, I, I think he's going to definitely throw for more touchdowns. And I don't, he didn't slide at all with with his yardage. So if he did both, I'd have more concern about him be, just because you have to look at it and go, okay, how did his how did he, his yards respond and how did his touchdowns respond? Did he throw more interceptions? It, wh- where is it looking like he's lacking if I feel that he needs to be regressed farther back into the drafting round? So since – the only really problem that he really kind of had was the fact that he didn't throw for as many touchdowns as he normally does. I'm I'm not right. going to worry about it. I'm, I'm I'm in fact I'm happy that he didn't because now he's going to get now he's going to be cheaper than what you normally get him at. So right, he'll probably be a, a four or five quarterback, maybe a three, but he's not going to be the number two quarterback that he normally is. So you're getting him at a discount and I'd be all over that. Uh, how about, how about uh, luck or Ben Roethlisberger? That's a tough one. Uh, and the reason why I find it tough is because both are actually kind of dealing with injuries. Uh, Roethlisberger is always something wrong with Roethlisberger. Uh, he's, he's much, much older. I really don't know how much he has left in the tank. And with luck, it's more present-day injury. So if he can withstand what he's going through now and be the Andrew Luck that we know him as, then it's definitely Andrew Luck. But if that arm starts giving him issues and troubles, then I, I just can't deny Ben Roethlisberger and that's that, you know Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and that sort of core unit that they have also, Juju Smith-Schuster, it's, you know, I just feel that Ben Roethlisberger is better healthy than Andrew Luck semi-healthy. So, I, I, I'd go with Roethlisberger over, God, I don't even know if I can say that. <laughs> it, it makes more <laughs> rational sense to me, but I'm just like, I don't know if I can do that. It doesn't, you know, um, but yeah, uh, I'd probably go. Roethlisberger over Andrew Luck at this point. That's really interesting. Okay, so I'm going to go with another one then, and I'm going to go with a uh, a Lee Steinberg client here. And let's say you are in a dynasty league. You, it's uh, just standard uh, dynasty league. Keep everybody um, for as long as you want. No contracts or anything like that. You've got Andrew Luck. And today, the Patrick Mahomes owner sends you an offer, Patrick Mahomes for Andrew Luck in the Dynasty League. Keep forever. Ooh, Are you accepting? That's a tough one. Uh, 
That is such a tough, tough trade offer. Oh man, we're talking <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, who is could be the next coming of Brett Favre, versus uh, banged up, damaged Andrew Luck. You know, I don't know what Mahomes as far as can he. I don't know if he can run with the ball or not. Do you know if he if he's capable of uh, of taking off and run? I want to say no, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, so with that said, let's just say he can't. Um, then I'm going to go with Andrew Luck just because of the PPR bonus points because Luck's going to run the ball. So with that said, even though there's a five-year five age gap between the two, um, I just, I just I don't trust gunslingers all that much. So him in that in that sort of that offense where it's West Coast, it, it, it's sort of uh, a gunslinger in a short area. You want those gunslingers to have more of the field so they can spread the ball out, not having it so close. But yeah, I'm just going to have to go with Andrew Luck and hold on to Andrew Luck over Patrick Mahomes. I'm probably yeah, that's be a tough one. Extremely wrong about that, but you know <laughs> I. I just have to have to go with luck. What about you? What, what, what do you see? I offer you I think, Patrick Mahomes. I take Mahomes. I, I think, you know, the – I think Mahomes is the kind of guy who um, his value is going to – it's going to take a lot for his value to tank. Um, I mean, it would have to be two, three, four games into the season um, before his value tanks. I mean, he's got obviously a high ceiling. With luck, you've got you've got a real possibility of um, of either side happening. There's just a lot of volatility. He can go out and if he just yeah. looks halfway like Andrew Luck, you got a top five quarterback probably on your hands, and he he probably is a guy that starts going over Roethlisberger and over Breeze and Dynasty, and um, you know he could quickly go back and cement himself that way. He also could two days from now say, um, you know, there could be a report that there's soreness in his biceps again. And then all of a sudden you've got an asset on your team that you can't trade for anything. And you wish you could get somebody like Patrick Mahomes. So I'm kind of the guy that again, kind of looks at all that. And I try to play a little bit more um, as if I've got assets on my team and I am uh, trying to, buy high or buy low and sell high and hold on to guys that are going to appreciate and value. And, um, you know, and plus I'm also just a, I'm a pretty big, uh, believer in, um, in Patrick Mahomes as well. Like just in general, I, I think he is, I think he's got all the tools that you want. Um, one of the biggest things for me is Sean Payton is a tremendous eye for talent. Um, and it was real big here in New Orleans that he just really fell in love with Patrick Mahomes. And even, even after the draft, so it wasn't just pre-draft hype, even after the draft, Sean Payton had a number of things to say that, hey, if Marcus Lattimore wasn't there, that's who, we're, that's who we, we would have been taking. Um, and I think even this year he said, you know, there are no Patrick Mahomes in this draft. So, um, you know, I, I think I look at that and I, I see these guys and, um, Patrick Mahomes has he, – he's also kind of got an it factor to him, doesn't he? Like he's kind of a guy that um, just has a presence about him that you can see him 
having no problem getting there, commanding a huddle, and uh, I, I, I like I like his approach to the game. I like, you know, yeah. I want all the Mahomes shares that I can get right now. So. Oh, so you're pretty high on him. Yeah, I am. I, you know, I, I'm not as, you know, obviously the, the when you look at the young guys, um, Deshaun Watson and um, Jared Goff, you look at these, you know, Carson Wentz. I, I, w- I would take all, despite what I said about Carson Wentz the other day, you know, I think I think all those guys have a better chance of producing really well. Um, probably better this year than Mahomes, but he's got all the feeling in the world. Um, and I, I would not be at all surprised with the weapons that they added there in Kansas City. Um, clearly, Andy Reid is 100% committed to him, trading Alex Smith in the offseason. Um Alex Smith yeah. did nothing wrong. I mean, Alex Smith was right. one of the best quarterbacks in football last year. It's weird to say that, but he was. <laughs> um, and still, they looked and said, Patrick Mahomes gives us a better chance to win. And, we, you know, we're going to throw all of our chips um, here. And so, you know, I, I a lot of times like to look at different things. Like I like to look at stats. I'm kind of a stat guy. You don't have a lot of that with Mahomes that you can really even look at. So I like to right. look at some of these secondary things and what are the people who really know football saying. Um, and clearly, clearly he's a guy that I think's on the rise. So I'm a big fan. Yeah, and and you make a great point with that about how if Andy Reid didn't feel comfortable with Patrick Mahomes coming in at this year and leading the team, then I don't see them getting rid of Alex Smith. I mean, he had probably his best year of his entire career last year and was doing things that he normally just doesn't do like throw the ball deep and do those type of plays and his production didn't uh, falter from it he didn't throw more interceptions or wasn't less accurate than he normally is so he widened his game in I don't know year 13 or whatever year he's in now and played really well and parlayed that into a huge contract with Washington. Um, yeah, but it, you know, it's, it, I, or, or they let Alex Smith go and bring in, I don't know, Sam Bradford or whoever was, a, whoever is a free agent at the time that's a veteran and sort of mentors uh, him more than, you know, just throwing him in the fire right away and that's what they're doing they're they're saying okay it's your team now you know you you do it or you you don't you know and obviously they they wouldn't feel insecure if they really believed he couldn't do it and that's not to say that those guys aren't sometimes wrong but i just give you an example on the other side i've been a gigantic teddy bridgewater fan i i i root for teddy bridgewater as much as i root for people you know, on the New Orleans Saints, who are my favorite team. But, like, I root for Bridgewater to do well, obviously coming back from the injury. But, you know, before that, like, I thought, here's a guy who I love what he did in college. I think everything he has can translate to today's NFL. And I was pumped about the whole thing. But if you just step back and read the tea leaves for, you know, the Vikings had a chance to bring him in and go ahead and name him their starter for next year. But, Instead, they let him go. They brought in Kirk Cousins, and, you know, he ends up on the Jets, and then they draft a rookie 
quarterback, and then you start to think, man, yeah. all these guys in the NFL who are pretty smart, they're not they're not giving him the opportunities that, say, somebody like me might hope for or want, and you kind of have to look and say, well, I, I guess they know better than me. You know, again, that's not always right. They're not always right. They get things wrong all the time. But sometimes sure. you just have to read the tea leaves and deal with reality and say, this guy may never get the chance, and there may be a reason for that, you know. Um, right. Whereas you look at Patrick Mahomes, and you've got a you've got a uh, longtime NFL head coach in Andy Reid who's clearing the deck and saying, let's turn everything I have, my job, uh, everything here in Kansas City, let's turn everything over to Patrick Mahomes, and that makes you say, wow, let me rethink what I think about him. And I, you know, I didn't even have to do that with him because clearly he's somebody that I, I, um, you know, I liked him a lot in college too. So, um, so. Maybe some confirmation there, but I think when you look at what the team did, you can say, hey, you know, there's some really – he's going to get every opportunity in the world to to succeed, and then even if he's not having success at first, there's not going to be a quick hook the way you saw with, like, a Deshaun Kaiser, you know, those guys last year. He's the, he's the guy. Right. Yeah, they're they're yeah, it it's it's sink or swim for the season for for Mahomes. He he's either going to just be um an absolute stud or he won't, but it doesn't mean that if he's not, it doesn't mean that uh any reason gonna be like looking in the back on the bench wondering who can warm up the fastest so they can get out there. Um th- that's just not gonna happen. Uh, so that's always a good thing, especially in fantasy and dynasty leagues, where if even if a player doesn't turn out or that first year, they're they're still going to be the guy. They're still going to get those chances to prove themselves. So as long as you hang on to them, you're going to have value in them because they're the coaches aren't going to be looking around to see which guy can be replaced next and how. So that that's value in itself, even though it might not be productive on the field, be patient with it, and then you see how it progresses. And then if you don't like it, then maybe you can move them. Um, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to do that. Even in year three, if he's just average, there's going to be people interested in him because they see the long-term value in Mahomes. And that's, that's what's the selling point. That's what's so important about having these types of assets is what is their selling value. That's right. And, you know, for three, three to four years, Mahomes is going to have selling value. So just keep that Absolutely. in mind. Absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't part. Go ahead. Worst case scenario, let's say he has worst, absolute worst case scenario I, I, I could think of in terms of, you know, on-field production. Let's say he has a um, Jared Goff 2016 type year. And, you know, right there, even at the end of the year, he's got, if he's got terrible numbers and he doesn't look good, I mean, I can't imagine anybody looking more lost than Jared Goff looked in 2016. But then he comes back in 2017 and Jared Goff is a top six, top eight quarterback. And he just, it took him a year to get his feet underneath him. Obviously the upgrade in the, in the offensive system uh, changing in, in head coach and office coordinator and all that was a big help for Jared Goff too. But 
But at, even if at the end of the year, people are still going to be interested in acquiring Patrick Mahomes, even if, at a, even if it is at, at a discount, people are still going to be interested in him because they can look and say, well, look at what happened with Jared Goff. He was bad his first year that he got a chance to start, and then all of a sudden he's a top quarterback. And, and you know, you're going to be able to talk yourself into um, why he's going to be able to do the same thing. So, you know, I'm, I definitely I, – those are the kind of guys I want on my team. Now, if I've got a team that's looking to compete this year and I acquire Patrick Mahomes in a similar scenario to what we just laid out, I'm going to also want one of those veteran guys, you know, say like a Phillip Rivers or, you know, somebody, somebody like that to also be on my team that I know what I'm going to get out of them and I can plug them in and um, they don't have the upside that maybe Mahomes has. But – I've got the ability to take him and, and say, hey, worst case scenario, I can rely on this guy. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would be hedging my bet a little bit if I was competing in 2018. But from a dynasty standpoint, um, there's, there's only a handful of quarterbacks I would be more interested in acquiring right now than the Holmes. Yeah, and also, also yeah, and that's an excellent point. But also, if, if you're – if you're looking at to lead, if you're looking for Mahomes to lead your team this year and win now, you're probably not going to end up doing that. I mean, it's you've done something wrong. You didn't you didn't get enough veterans. I don't know, but um, I, I just I can't see Mahomes counting on Mahomes to lead your team to uh, victory in in the Super Bowl. Um, now, whatever five months from now. Yeah, uh, who knows, right? I could be completely and total wrong. He can come come out and just blaze the world and just be this awesome quarterback. That I, I don't think anybody expects him to be in year one. And if you do, then, um, you know, I, I want to know the fortune teller you visit because uh, I'm going to go right. there immediately. So, uh, it, right. it, 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 yeah, yeah, that's the hard part, I think, is ex- – um, relying on him to win. I I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he had the kind of season that uh, Deshaun Watson was having last year. Would you? I mean, I, I, I would. I mean, that's, that's not what I would expect, but that's in the realm of possibilities um, for sure. I think, you know, with the offense there, with the – I mean, again, take it back to Alex Smith did really well in that offense last year. Uh, I think Alex Smith is a really experienced quarterback. That's what he brings to the table that Mahomes doesn't. But, you know, uh, they have probably the only player in the NFL that he couldn't outthrow on a deep route and Tyree Kill. And, I, you know, that, that to me is a just gigantic piece of what I'm excited to see this year. I'm excited to see how he looks in connecting with Tyree Kill. And if he can if, – yeah. if he can – if he can hit him, you know, three, four, five, six times this year on those type of routes, man, that's exciting. Not to mention Travis Kelsey, and they added uh, Sammy Watkins, and um, and mm-hmm. then Kareem Hunt. I mean, that's I mean, that's an exciting mm-hmm. offense, and I can certainly tell a story that says he ends up being one of the better quarterbacks this year. So, you know, um, you, with Deshaun Watson, you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of Deshaun Watson was an element of surprise. Defenses, defensive coordinators usually need a year or so to get adapted to uh, a player and how, how they're going to perform. So 
if Mahomes can come out and he, he's he's not. I don't think he's as wild. I mean, he's. I think he's more wild than 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 Watson. But they both suffer from inaccuracy issues. So, with that said, why why can't uh, Mahomes have a great year? And I agree with you. I think it's it's very possible in the realm. I I just there's just reasons why what what Watson was doing is record-breaking and shocking and totally amazement because it doesn't happen. You know, those things just don't happen on a regular basis. So to say, can Mahomes not do it? I I can't say that. I I don't know. Um, To say that he won't do it. I'd rather, I'd rather err on that side just because of that whole shocking, surprising um, element of odds. Um, The odds say no way. And I, I'd, I'd rather hedge on what the odds say than what is a possibility. And that's just my preference on things. Um, not to say I would never not take Mahomes, but I just don't, I just can't say that he's going to be uh, Deshaun Watson this year. I don't, I don't think um, there's going to be anybody being Deshaun Watson this year. Yeah. I, I mean, that, not a surprise. I mean, I, I, that would, that would be in the realm of like a 2% chance of happening, you know, for sure. Uh, and that's why I agree with you hedge, hedge and get somebody, get another veteran, you know, get somebody else on your team that you're not um, counting on a hundred percent, but Hey, if you're going to play the lottery with somebody that could hit the jackpot, um, you know, that you can get later in a draft, that's the guy that, you know, is, is is worth a shot, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, totally. Now, let's let's just take that Deshaun Watson um, scenario, and let's just call it a very successful year. Now, the quarterbacks, Josh uh, Rosen, let's just say he wins the starting job. Then you have uh, Mahomes. Uh, who else would you have in this equation? Uh, oh, you have uh, Baker Mayfield. Let's just say just those three, so I don't sit here and go uh, 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 try to think of everybody. <laughs> but let's just say those those three guys. Which one, Mahomes, Mayfield, and Rosen? Which of the three do you see being uh, having a Deshaun Watson or successful uh, season in their first year? I, I mean, it's Mahomes, and and that's probably the answer uh, for me, regardless of who you you were to come up with there. Um, I think I think Mahomes is is probably in a is in a tier that's that's above those guys. Um, that's not to take anything away from Baker Mayfield's my favorite rookie, and I'm excited about um, I'm excited about the whole Cleveland Browns team. To be honest with you, I am I yeah. was a guy who was on Josh Gordon really early, and then I was frustrated by him, and you know, and all of that. And it's really hard not to see the videos from him in camp this this week. Have you seen just I mean, he is shredded. Like he, he just looks like he looks like the physical freak that he is. And it's that's another that's another area I'm really um, I'm really excited. I'm the the biggest excitement for me for that team is the fit. I think Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry are two people like they were just made for each other. Like those are their games fit together so well. And you know, I, I really like what the Cleveland Browns organization did in assembling a group of talented 
um, offensive players, chess pieces, let's say, but, you know, you've got, you know, they go out and they re-sign Duke Johnson, who, you know, clearly they're, they're not over him, despite the fact that they went out and, they brought on Chubb. They brought on Carlos Hyde. Um, they clearly still see Duke Johnson as a part of that offense, and that is only going to help the quarterback. So, um, yeah, I'm still really excited about Baker Mayfield. I don't think he has a I, – I, I would say he doesn't have a 2017 Deshaun-Watson-type season in him, not this year. Um, I, I don't see it as that. But I would have said the same thing about Watson, so what do I know? But – but if I had to take any of those guys and say they're going to have that type of season, it would definitely be Mahomes. Okay, that's that's fair. Uh, now Mayfield has that offense as you're talking about. What what did you think of the signing of, of Duke Johnson? Did you did you feel it was a too big of a contract, or did you feel that he absolutely deserved it? It's always going to be the same. Um, I think the players probably all deserve more than they make. Uh, I know that's not always the most popular thing, although I can't, I can't imagine why people would side with the billionaires over the millionaires. I know they get mad about how much money these millionaires are making, uh, but they're the ones out there risking their bodies and they're the ones out there, um, you know, putting on the line every week. And, you know, the billionaires, obviously they, they worked really hard to get their money and they, you know, it's not to take anything away from them, but um I'm never going to say that a player is overpaid, except maybe maybe Albert Pujols, but that's a different uh, that's a different sport, different situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, okay, let me let me put it this way. Um, okay, no player. Let's just say players are are uh, worth what they get, and I. I don't agree with you, but let's just say I do. Um, let's let's look at it this way: the ra- the ratio is player being paid versus uh, production. So, is he worth the production he's going to give Cleveland? Is he worth that that money? Okay, this is a really interesting conversation. I'm going to take it on face value um, on that and just say. I've always thought Duke Johnson has the ability to. I think he's got the potential to. I think he's a really good pass catcher. I think he's, I think he's the kind of guy who can be a running back but also catch a lot of passes out of, out of the backfield. Um, I don't think he's a high-end guy in terms of, like, you know, is he going to be similar to a Saquon Barkley or a David Johnson? No, he's not. I don't think he's got quite that. Could he be – could he lead, you know, with Jarvis Landry there, I doubt he's the kind of guy who's going to lead the team in receptions, but – um, could he be second? I, yeah, I think he could. And I think he's the kind of guy who can put a lot of stress on a defense. And so, so just to me, you know, obviously similar, I'm not going to say these players are identical, but I'm going to just talk about similarities. And one of the things about having Reggie Bush here on the Saints was that he caused the defense to play the team differently when he was on the field. He, drew attention. They knew that uh, linebackers weren't going to be able to cover him, which is very different than, um, you know, at the time, Deuce McAllister was our other running back. And when Deuce McAllister was on the field, Deuce, to me, and to me, Deuce is one of my favorite, if not my favorite uh, saying of all time. 
This is not taking anything away from him. But the, the dimension that he brought to the field was far different than what Reggie Bush did. And he drew attention, and that opened things up for Marcus Colston or for even like, you know, Devery Henderson or Robert Meacham, those guys that were streaking down the mm-hmm. field because they're lined up. They got more one-on-one coverage. There's a safety coming down to look at, you know, Reggie Bush. It changed the dynamic of what that offense was capable of doing. And so do I think Duke Johnson can be exactly that? No, but I think, I think it's going to force defenses to make interesting decisions. If you've got Josh Gordon on the outside, let's say you've got um, Corey Coleman on the other side, You've got Jarvis Landry in the middle. You've got Duke Johnson, who is going to be a threat out of the backfield. Well, that's going to put a, you know, not, not to mention Njoku, that's going to put a certain amount of stress on the defense that you're not going to get in the, quite the same way when you've got Carlos Hyde on the field. And Carlos Hyde's fine. But, yeah, I, I do think it opens up what an offensive coordinator can do. I think it opens up, you know, looks for a, a quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, something gets shaded towards Duke Johnson and Jarvis Landry is more open or he's got a shot for, you know, for Josh Gordon down the field because all of a sudden he's got to be singled up. Um, So from a strategic standpoint of just on the field, yes, I think guys that are a little bit more specialized are going to start seeing an increase in their pay. And that's, you know, we, we saw, we saw a change from linebackers who could do everything to all of a sudden linebackers who could put, pressure on the quarterback and that's all they were good at was rushing the quarterback those guys all of a sudden were really valuable because that one thing that they did put a lot of pressure on the on the offense so I wouldn't be surprised you see more of the Kamara you saw what he did for the offense for for the Saints now some of that could be the 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 real thing here with Duke Johnson is a lot of it for him is still just potential and clearly they they believe in that potential whereas Kamara has proven a little bit more on the field. Um, but you take Duke Johnson and you put him in a better offense, and, you know, he may have been able to prove it too. So, but clearly they look at what he's able to produce. They see him in practice. They look at what he's able to do uh, on the field. They look at the film. And they think here's a guy that gives us a strategic advantage on our offense. And so, yes, he's worth that. Now, I, I, so that's taking your question totally at face value. I want to just say, I don't think I don't. My main point in saying I, I think a lot of players are un, underpaid, and maybe not everybody, but I think I do think a lot of them are, is mainly because, it just philosophically, from an economic standpoint, players should get paid based on their performance on the field. I know that sounds strange, and I know that's going to be something that not everybody's going to uh, agree with. But you get paid based on what you can negotiate in life, just in general. Like, whatever you can negotiate and somebody's willing to pay you is what you're worth. And would somebody else necessarily pay the same thing? Maybe not. But you can't say that person is not worth that money if they were to successfully negotiate that contract and get that money. That tells you right there there's at least a buyer that is willing to pay it. It's like a, you know, I look at art and, you know, these paintings that sell for $20 million or whatever it is. And I look at it and think, how can that be worth $20 million? But the fact that someone's willing to pay it says it's worth that. And so 
you know, some of it may be subjective. Some of it may be, you know, it's worth this to this, this team. It's worth this to this person, you know, whatever it is. Um, but just from an economic standpoint, you know, you are, you're worth what somebody else is willing to pay you. And the value that's added may be more than just stats on a stat sheet or, um, you know, the different things that we can quantify. There may be other things that we can't necessarily quantify offhand that cause that person. Again, potential is something people get paid on their potential all the time. Like at my job and at a lot of jobs, you know, they'll bring in people based on the potential business that they can bring in or based on the, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But, um, you know, I mean, that is we tend to we tend to want to pay people based on what we think they can do for us in the in, in the future, which is good. Whereas Albert Pujols, my example earlier, he got paid based on what he had previously done, um, which is right. a far different uh, animal altogether. And that's, uh, you know, the baseball contracts and all that situations of totally everything in football and they got their own problems, but um you know, just yeah. In general, no, I'm never, I'm never upset when a player gets paid a certain amount, and uh, in, unless I own the team and it was my money, I can't imagine why I would be. So. <laughs> right. You know, actually, uh, I, it, it used to just like under my skin, like totally, and then I stopped paying attention to it, and so now I don't really even care. It's more, it's more to me like, like Alex Smith getting that huge deal and going, are you serious? You're going to pay that kind of money for that guy. And then that's about yeah. it. So, um, I, I can't, I can't deal with these players or anybody getting this kind of money. Uh, I think it's, it's just to me, incredibly just ludicrous to see someone playing football or baseball or whatever sport and getting paid this kind of money. Uh, while, while you have people out there who, do uh, a lot more things like doctors and stuff like that that get paid way far less. So it's a backwards oh, yeah. world, Just, you know, but it, from it is that what standpoint, it is. oh my gosh, there are so many people who, when we just say like the work that they do um, from a value standpoint, it's hard to even quantify, right? Like my, my wife is a homeschool uh, mom. She stays home. She takes care of my kids. Like she doesn't make a dime from that. But, like, she, she, her heart is golden. And, like, if I could pay her – if I could pay her a million bucks a year, it would be too little. You know, she – right. the value exactly. that she adds to the family and all those things. And, you know, you think about firemen. You think about police officers. You think about these guys. You think about these guys going off, you know, and um, going off to war. And you think about all those different things. And from a mm-hmm. valuation standpoint, like, just on how important those people are – they're the most important people in our entire, in our nation, in our world. Like those are the people that I want to be around because those those are incredible people. Um, On the flip side, you know, like here's, I'll say this and this, I don't know if it's controversial or what, but like on the flip side, like no, gosh, I want to say this as as delicately as I can, but I'll, I'll just say it. Mike, my um a teacher at a local school here can be the best teacher on the planet and they're doing awesome work and they're doing a great job um 
never in their life will 70,000 people pay $100 a piece to go see them do what they do. All right. And so from an economy standpoint, Cam Newton can do something that like 12 people on the planet can do and do well. You know, like he's, he's top 15 player of, uh, at his position. There are, you know, there's a handful of people who can do what he does at the level that he does it. So mm-hmm. a guy like that, you know, who an owner owns a team, you know, stadium, you know, that's a whole other conversation about the stadium, but we'll say that for a different, different show. But, you know, that owner has got, he certainly has a lot of money himself. He's certainly not offering to pay teachers that money, but he does take that asset of that guy who's going to draw a crowd and going to bring them a win. And people are going to show up to see him throw a ball as far as he can throw it and run like he can run and, you know, all those different things. Um, so just from a standpoint of economically, you know, value isn't necessarily attributed to what you add to society as a whole. It's what are, what can you do that only you can do or a few people can do and people are willing to show up and pay you for that. Even in, you know, even in just taking that to a small business, if you got a service that you offer that only a few people can do, well, you can charge more money for that than, um, than a teacher makes. That doesn't mean what you're society, you know, what you, what you're doing for society may even be negative, but the value in terms of, economically and money and all that you could get paid more but i just think you know that's then you're talking about like you know why do we why do we still as a society look at people who have more money and assume that that means that they're more valuable you know they're not it's you know it's 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 way more complicated than that and way more there's way more to discuss and that's that's the kind of things actually i really like like talking about and like discussing but um so I, I don't know how we got off on on that, but uh, there you go. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's fascinating. Um, I do have to mention that uh, Mr. Steinberg um, had a important event that he had to attend today and won't be able to make us uh, make the show today. But I am working on trying to get him to come back maybe next week or some other time. So I just wanted to make that announcement to any of those that are are listening. Um, now with that, did you want to get into running backs, or did you do you have something else in mind? Yeah, I want to ask you about a little bit about um, Lee Steinberg, and you know, like maybe we could talk about him for a couple of minutes. Um, sure. And I'll ask you a I'll, I'll ask you a question that came up that made me so. I loosely had an, I, I knew he was NFL super agent. I knew, you know, I, I knew the name. I knew all of that. I did not know. I don't know how I missed this. I did not know that he's the real life Jerry Maguire. Like I didn't know that was a movie in, in essence about him. Um, you know, maybe not a, you know, real life document, you know, you understand what I mean, but like, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like the inspiration for that, for that movie. And, you know, at the time, so 20 years ago when that was made, the top person you would ever want to play you in a movie, hands down, was Tom Cruise, right? I mean, right. he's oh, yeah. clearly gone <laughs> off. He's go, yeah, he's gone off the deep end now. But, like, 
you could not have asked for a better, you know, coming off of, you know, Top Gun and all the different, you know, all the different things he was, he was in. He's the guy. And every now and then I'll joke around with my wife about like, you know, man, they should make a movie about what we're doing. And, you know, and, and uh, we'll talk about who was going to play it. So I'll just put it out to you. Who, who is that guy now? Who is the guy that if you, you know, dream scenario that Lee got to live, that Jerry McGuire, you know, he, he got a movie inspired by him and Tom Cruise plays him. Who would be that guy for you now? Who would you want to play Mike Valverde in the Mike, Mal- Mike Valverde movie? No, that's a great question. Um, I'd have to think. No, not. I I've always had a, a sort of a kinship with with John Goodman. Um, as far as definitely as Dan Connor, that kind of character. I'm I'm pretty much yeah. in, uh, I'm pretty much Dan Connor, and my wife always we we just watched the all all nine seasons uh, not too long ago and she every time he was on my wife would would just be like i cannot believe how how much you're like this character and and so forth and so on uh so yeah i mean he's not obviously he's not a tom cruise kind of guy but um if if i were to pick one that would sort of symbolize me or embolize me i would definitely have to pick uh john goodman How, how about you Really cool one. Um, I not that I'm anything like this guy or anything like that, but my favorite actor is Justin Thoreau. Um, I so mostly because The Leftovers was my favorite. Was probably my favorite television show of all time. Um, did you ever see that? Did you ever see The Leftovers? No, I haven't. Okay, I. Um, no, almost nobody did. It got canceled after three seasons. That he knew they knew it was going to be canceled, and so you know they um, uh, they planned accordingly. But Justin Thoreau in that in that show gave just the best performances I've ever seen out of a male lead actor of any show that I've ever seen. And so, from a standpoint of just admiration of somebody who's the top at what they do. I just think he is, uh, he's really good. So I think that would be, I think that would be my answer. I think I would say the, the person who I, I, if if Hollywood called and they said, Hey, we've got one person that's going to play you and it's Justin Thoreau, that would probably make me the most excited out of, from anybody that they could say. Um, so that, that that would be my answer. That would be my answer. So so um, I got I got to check out this show, huh? This how do you, now? Did you just see it on regular television, or do, is it on Netflix, or what? What is it? Uh, what did you? It's an HBO show. It? Um, yeah, it's an HBO show. You'd probably have to do like the HBO Now or HBO Go app or whatever. Um, so here's the thing: it's a it's a kind of um, it's a kind of dark show. It's Here's the premise, and this is all in the first, like, ten minutes. So it's not, not not a spoiler. Basically, like, in the blink of an eye, 2% of the world's population disappears. Um, and it's done by the guy who um, who created Lost. So before oh. I um, – yeah, so before I 
before I lose you on that, because Lost obviously was uh, uh, controversial and nobody liked the ending, um, a lot of the problems with Lost had to do with network television trying to squeeze as many seasons as possible out of the same storyline. Um, this is a clean three-season um, that where he had a story to tell, and some of it was based on a novel, um, and then a lot of it was um, just the adaptation of taking these characters and putting them in these really clever situations. Um, there's a lot of pain. Um, clearly, you know, when you, 2% of the population is gone, a uh, lot, of, lot of hurt, a lot of loss, a lot of... Uh, so there's a lot of depth of emotion. It's a drama. Um, they mix in to me, some really good comedy when you look at the way that the characters work together. Um, but it's not a comedy. It, it's, it's a, it's a real, and the, and the characters are just so well thought out. They're so well flushed out. You really care for the characters. You care for what they're doing. And, you know, and I, again, I, I guess I could be a salesman for the show. Uh, not, not many people watched it, which is part of why it ended up being three seasons. And I, you know, as opposed to, for a little bit more, but um, but yeah, it was a really David Lind- David Lind- Lindelof, I think is the guy's name. Um, Damon Lind- Damon Lindelof, yeah, there you go. That's the guy that was really involved in Lost, who made who made um, who made this, and even like you know the female acting on it. Carrie Coon um, was uh, the kind of the main female actress there throughout the series, and man, she was just really good. So. Um, yeah, all that, if you haven't checked out Lost and you, and any of that sounds appealing, if you like deal, if you like looking at, you know, it's not a, it's not a comedy, it's not a sitcom, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, it's not even going to be a feel good story. Um, you'll have some moments of it, but it's a lot of hurt, a lot of all that. If any of that is an interesting cool. character study or, you know, something like that that you'd, you'd want to see, definitely check it out. But, um, yeah, I, me it just hit on so many really good things and um i'm a big podcast listener obviously you know we've got ours here but i like i really like the guys over at bald move uh who do television and they do a lot of um discussion and so part of the beauty of that show was the the discussion after and you dealing with the you know man did you you know this part where they were dealing with this hurt and this you know and uh, the guilt you must feel of this and the survivor's guilt and all the different ways that they look at the story was, it, it was really cool. So um, it, sound, it sounds very uh, psychological. Yeah. It's, it's not, um, you know, like dude, like me, me and my wife could not be more different. Like I, uh, I like to think I like to, you know, I like, I like shows that cause me to contemplate life and think about, you know, things in a different way that I didn't think about them before. And I like shows mm-hmm. that, 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 that uh, go into that and they try to discover that and they try to show you things from a different perspective and, um, and get you attached to characters and see the characters do something, you know, you know, compromise themselves morally. And, you know, how do you, what, what do you think about that at all? I just like, I like to think, my wife literally every single night puts on Friends, and that's all she does. And it's, she she can watch Friends forever and ever and ever. And you know, Friends is is funny, 
but you know, you don't think in trends. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to force you to look at yourself in the mirror or, you know, challenge your, uh, challenge your, uh, preconceived notion or your bias or anything like that, you know? So that's more the kind of, you know, she would lean more towards friends and other shows. I like a lot like parks and recreation and, you know, all you know the office, just funny stuff like that. Um, Whereas I'm, you know, I like The Wire, I like uh, Breaking Bad, um, I like, you know, I even like The Better Call Saul, I like Westworld that's on right now, um, you know, all these shows that are dealing with like heavier topics, like I, you know, I, I love, I love that, I love, I love that kind of entertainment. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm more, uh, I would say, like all of us kind of kind of thing or um well parenthood i don't know if you've seen that one that one is is one of my all-time favorites but uh something that that is more dealt with not only thinking but realistic situations that uh really show you um you can relate with life and and those kind of things so yeah i'm i'm definitely about that and my wife is sort of sort of like yours where it's the less thinking is possible. She comes home and we watch, you know, uh, America's got talent. That's her thing, you know, um, or survivor. Um, so anything that, that is sort of just, you watch it and you're entertained for an hour, but you know, nothing that requires so much heavy drama or, um, emotion or thought processing, um, she, she's definitely like, nah, that's not why I'm watching TV. So I totally get you. I like watching the highlights of America's Got Talent. Like uh, every now and then I'll stumble across YouTube and I'll see like the, you know, best of, you know, Britain's Got Talent or best of America's Got Talent or something like that. Those are always the best, man. I like, I you know, when you see one of those that goes so well or on the flip side, those that go like really poorly, um, they're just, you know, that's, it, it, it's so good. That's just such good entertainment. Um, whoever came up with that idea, I, I, I don't know, but man, that was a good, that was a good idea. That's yeah. I watched those too. I, I, I enjoy those. Now, speaking of highlight rules, who, what highlight rule from what player would, could you just sit there and watch on YouTube like every day? What, what player do you think inspires those special highlight rules that you're just like odd about? Ooh, that's a good, that's a good, um, that's a good question. So I, I guess I'll maybe specify and say uh, now, like current player or um, just of all time, like who are the, who are the guys that I've looked at, you know, the most um, in the past? Yeah. Let, let's do it this way. One that, that's in the past and one that's today. Okay, um, so in the past, my favorite my favorite highlight guy of all time uh, was Deshaun Jackson. I I could pull up and watch highlights of his just over and over and over and over and over again. He was incredible in college. I you know I know he he's a, he can be a knucklehead and all those things, um, but punt returns for touchdowns can be one of the most exciting plays. Uh, in in the NFL, um, you know that doesn't mean I think Deshaun Jackson is one of the best pl- 
players that I, you know that, that I like to watch, but just in terms of YouTube highlights. So just for an example, a, another guy all time uh, love to watch his highlights is Michael Vick. Michael Vick has some of the oh, yeah. absolute best highlights in the world. You know, he's now now my son, my ten year old, he looks at Michael Vick highlights and he thinks, man he must have been one of the best quarterbacks ever. And I have to say, no, not really. Like there was a, you know, he was really exciting and all of that, but you know, there was never a time where Michael Vick was the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, Right. But in terms of highlights, man, you cannot put together better highlight video than, you know, you got Michael Vick to me, Deshaun Jackson. I love Chris Johnson. Like those are all guys that I love. Um, from the past. Currently it's Odell Beckham. I, you know, that's a guy that again, just, you know, makes, makes, he makes sometimes simple catches look even like really, you know, really hard. And that's, you kind of need that if you're going to be really good um, on the highlights on on YouTube. Um, But he also obviously makes really incredible, difficult catches. Um, And uh, you know, yeah, I think, I think that's a guy, Odell Beckham, you know, maybe maybe a DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, another guy. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I'm a guy that's got a lot of experience doing this because my son, my 10-year-old who's just getting into sports, he loves YouTube, looking up highlights and looking at those kind of guys. So uh, what about you? Have you ever – and I, and look, hey, just a heads up, I, I may have to, you know, jump off here in um, just a second, but do you, what would be your answer to that? Um, yeah, so I, I guess I have two. One, and they're probably, well, they're going to be two past players now, but uh, one for sure is Earl Campbell. Whenever, whenever he's on, I mean, I just love someone like that, Earl Campbell, Bo Jackson type, that are these big bruising running backs that just, truck over everybody uh, those those just i'd rather watch that than some joystick athlete um which reminds me because this is the guy that i say is going to be in the past now is jamal charles uh, who is a joystick athlete but just something about everything he he did on the field was because he mixed them both i mean the guy would go head on into the end zone and then he'd also juke someone out of their shoes so it's just totally amazing uh, if I if I had to pick one at present time who's probably now still in the league, I, I offhand maybe either Tyrant Kill or I, I can't really go wrong with Odell Beckham. The guy just makes astounding plays. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins maybe even, um, but yeah, yeah, those guys are are tremendous. So yeah, those guys I'll are really cool. Is, it really. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And um, yeah, the day the day job obviously uh, every now and then uh, gets in the way of the real fun. But uh, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Good talk. I had really good discussion today. Um, I definitely appreciate that. And uh, yeah, let's talk again soon. All right, Cal. Uh, yeah, I look forward to next week. And uh, go ahead and tell people where where they can find you before you sign off. Yeah, at uh, at Dino Cast. Cal, D-Y-N-O-C-A-S-T-C-A-L, DinoCast Cal, on Twitter. Awesome, awesome. All right, Cal, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Mike. All right, bye-bye. And then you can find me at 
the RFL Red Zone at RFL Red Zone. And again, we'll try to get, we'll definitely try to get Mr. Steinberg on um, some other time, uh, obviously, especially at this time, during this time, he's a very busy man uh, and couldn't make it. He sends his apologies and just much respect for and understanding from from him um and maybe we can get him on some other time that would be great um and for now um this is dino cast and talk soon